0: Welcome to Bring Your Own Popcorn. Let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire as we spiral down memory lane with cult classics, jurassics, and other genres that rhyme with traffic. What we lack in education, we make up for with comedy, compassion, and camaraderie. I'm your host, Mixtape Majesty, here today with a very special guest, a podcaster, the host of the wonderful podcast Chatsunami Podcast, a streamer, a K-drama enjoyer, And the owner of a dog, Satsunami.
1: Hi there, great to be on (laughs) and thank you for the lovely intro.
0: Yeah, sorry, the way I said it, I just realized I made it sound like the dog's name is Satsunami, so I apologize. The (laughs) podcaster's name is Satsunami. I actually don't know your dog's name.
1: Yes, my dog likes to think that she's an integral part of the Chatsunami team.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm so happy to have you here, and you've selected a wonderful film for us to chat about. But before we get into your selected film, I'm going to ask Mm -hmm. some questions about uh, to get a sense of your background with movies. So our first question is, what was the first movie that you remember seeing in theaters?
1: I think it was probably a Disney film. Like, If I'm doing it on a very, very surface level, it was definitely a Disney film i remember going to see mulan and things and going to mcdonald's after and mm-hmm. i think that's kind of partly what i remember just getting the toy from the happy meal but the one i probably remember more going to was the pokemon movie
2: oh yeah um, the first which,
1: one yeah which of course was excellent for all of the kids at the time yeah Not so much for the parents probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah Yeah, it it just, it seems as if it's it's something you kind of realise when you're older and you look at the fads that kids nowadays are into. I'm not even going to pretend and say, oh, they're into this, they're into that. Um, I have no idea. But when it came to Pokemon, you know, it's one of those things you really get invested in and, you know, parents want you to be happy and, you know, enjoy things. And yeah, I remember going to see it and getting the, there was like an ancient Mew card, I think it was called. It was like one of the Pokemon card game cards that they gave out free. And I remember going to see like the sequel as well. I think with my gran, maybe that's how long ago it was. But yeah, that was definitely the first film. Mm-hmm.
0: What was the first movie that you remember seeing in theaters without any parents or supervising adults?
1: Yeah, I think it was probably Dark Knight because I remember when I was in my kind of m- mid to mainly my late teens. I saw quite a lot of films in the cinema by myself, Mm. um, or rather with friends. Mm. I saw things like The Dark Knight, I saw Tropic Thunder, but I definitely saw it with my friends at the time.
2: Yeah. And it was a great
1: film. You know, it was one of those films that even today I watch it, I think, wow, this is amazing. And it really shattered the preconceptions of what they could really do. With superhero films and it is amazing to have that experience then again you have other experiences where you expect a film to be good um I actually remember this actually might be before mind you I don't know but I remember seeing epic film or epic movie sorry oh the
0: comedy the the, like
1: parody yeah very loosely comedy yeah
0: yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) but I remember at the time I think it was at a time where I watched it but I hadn't quite grasped that filmmakers could be wrong. <laughs> makes mm. sense. Like you know that they were openly going out there to make a terrible film. <laughs> yeah. I think I thought there were some scenes I laughed at and others I just thought okay this is just weird or horrible or and I, I would think to myself is it something wrong with me like is it just I'm not getting this or something but no, 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 it was a terrible film, very crass, very horrid but you know, when you're thinking back as a teenager you think oh right, it must be something I'm doing but yeah, it's yeah, going back to Dark Knight though, that was probably one of the better experiences I would say Um, but going into a film like either epic movie or oh yeah, Hancock, I remember going to see that and being quite disappointed because mm. I remember seeing the trailers being quite hyped thinking this is a cool and novel idea and then I saw it it's okay from what I remember it wasn't great it wasn't bad it, it was just there you know that way when you go to see a film and then you come out of it and you go wow that was a film
0: yeah <laughs>
1: yeah it wasn't great as I said it wasn't great it wasn't bad it was just there it exists yeah yeah
0: With Dark Knight, what do you remember about seeing it with your friends, like hanging out with your friends before and after, or did you kind of just go your own way when it was over? Did you guys talk about the movie when it was over?
1: Well, I actually remember, and I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure that was the time we were supposed to see Tropic Thunder, of all things. (laughs) So for those of you who don't know out there, our rating system in the UK is a little bit different oh. to, of course, where you are. I didn't so, know that. Um, it, it's kind of similar, because um, mm. we've got our U, which is, you know, for everyone, for kids. We've got a level below that, but let's face it, unless you're watching, I don't know, Bluey or something like that, <laughs> you can never see it. Gotcha. You know, you've got... So you've got your U for kids' films, you've got your PG, which is parental guidance, then you've got your 12, or technically 12A now, Mm. Um, because when Spider-Man came out in 2002, I want to say, people were quite shocked it was a 12, because, you know, it's a superhero, it's Spider-Man, but there's kind of mild cursing. There's at least back then it was like gory effects, mm-hmm. but you know, you watch it now and you're like, really? That's a 12, yeah. Um, and considering some of the stuff they get away with in the 15, I'm like, oh my god, watching <laughs> my perils. But so, you've got, um, I think the 12a came in around about that time with the first Jason Bourne film. So, 12a means that anyone under 12 has to be accompanied by an adult. Ah, there was 15. And then after that there's an 18 so yeah and then i mean technically i think technically there's a level above that but i think if anything's above that then it's not getting shown in the mainstream cinemas so (laughs) yeah (laughs) usually the worst you're ever going to see in a local cinema is just like 18 but we went to see tropic thunder which is rated i think a 15. Mm. And we were all above the age, you know, we were perfectly fine. But mm. one of my unfortunately baby faced <laughs> um, <laughs> friends, he didn't have his card on him. So we get a thing when we're younger here called a Young Scott card. Oh. So it's almost like an identity card that gives you like discounts and things in the shops and all of this. It was a great card to have, but it's only mm-hmm. when you're a teenager. And we all had ours. We gave them over, you know, it was fine. But he didn't. And although he was over the age, he couldn't prove that he was over 15. Dang it. So, <laughs> yeah, so that was a bit unfortunate. And I remember he even got his dad to phone them and be like, no, no, he's over 15.
2: <laughs> they're so yeah, strict.
1: But unfortunately, yeah, As the law. There are some who are quite horrible about it. You know, there's others that by law, they have to say, if you're under a certain age, we can't you into this film. So, you yeah. know, mil- mileage may vary. So <laughs> I remember at the time we had travelled into Glasgow, I think it was on the bus at the time, you know, we'd come all that distance. So we were yeah. like, right, okay, let's watch this film. And then, of course, we couldn't get into the film. We had to watch it at a later date. So we're like, okay, what do we watch now? Yeah. And we had already seen The Dark Knight, but we we're like, we just go watch that again. So we meant to see <laughs> Dark Knight again, which not the worst film to re-watch, but yeah, 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 we're very strict over here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is illegal here too to let, well, we only have, we don't have a separate teen rating, which I think we totally should, but mm-hmm. we just have PG 13 and R, which R is 18 plus, uh, or you have to have a Guardian. Um, and technically, yeah, like you could get in big trouble if you let in someone with without ID into a rated R movie, but it really depends on who's working the box office, like if the manager is looking or not, from my experience. Not that I ever let anyone underage in, but I know that it was a thing that happened. And generally it wouldn't be like, oh, this kid is clearly twelve and they're gonna be let in. It's more like, yeah, this person is probably 17 and a half and we're not going to say they can't go in you know mm-hmm. that type of thing so they're not yeah. not quite as strict here depending on who you get at the box office
1: oh no absolutely
0: other than the featured film that you chose today tell me about one of your favorite movies of all time and why it's one of your favorites
1: well uh, okay i said i wasn't gonna go into christmas films but <laughs> i suppose i could loop it back into him so I actually saw this film in the same place as the feature film that we're going to talk about, that being It's a Wonderful Life. Um, I saw it at, there's a particular film theatre in Glasgow called the GFT, so it's like a very kind of local, quite small theatre, and they'll show like a couple of films every so often, and at Christmas they'll feature particular films like um, Muppets Christmas Carol and things like that and one of the ones that I did see at the time because you know I joke about saying that I'm old but I'm not that old (laughs) (laughs) but one of the ones I saw was It's a Wonderful Life and I just remember going into that thinking all right it's an old film it's you know, one of these films that, oh, I'm going to see, I'm going to say, oh, it's a great film, but it absolutely changed me. Um, Mm I have to say, it was just such an emotional experience. It was enlightening. It was heartfelt. I honestly went out kind of smiling more than when I went in because I was at that age, kind of late teens, early adulthood, where I was like, oh, great, it's going to be one of these ones. But no, that was absolutely fantastic that problem
0: well yeah i love that i think i i saw it as a kid but i kind of felt the same way because i just assumed oh it's a christmas movie yeah i've seen christmas movies there's like rudolph and i loved a christmas story but it's like you know a com- it's very much a comedy and you know just goofy santa i don't know same old stuff and then it's a wonderful life didn't really feel like a christmas movie even though it it really is but it sort of feels more like a movie, just like a movie movie, yeah. and it happens to like feature Christmas heavily.
1: Yeah, because, uh, yes, it's a diehard of its time.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it was one of these films that um, my friend and I did an episode on it, and when we were researching it, I was surprised at how, back then anyway, it wasn't as widely regarded You know, it wasn't held in high esteem as it is nowadays. Right. Because when you think of Christmas classics, you think of It's a Wonderful Life, which has been parodied. You think of A Christmas Carol, you think of all these classic tales. But back then, they kind of shrugged it off and it wasn't really recognised for the amazing film it was. And that was, again, because of the... Cinematic landscape at the time, people weren't interested in those films. They were more interested in, I think, maybe espionage films because it was the height of the Cold War and things. They weren't really Mm. wanting something that was kind of mushy and, oh, look, it's a happy ending kind of thing. Which, well,
0: I think they really did, though. I think that's what's interesting about it. And it's an interesting example of like how studios never know what the people really want Mm -hmm. because uh, we'll talk about it with your featured film too the studios will not advertise a film that they don't like if they say like paradoxically if they think a film won't do well they then Mm -hmm. won't advertise it and promote it well of course it's not going to do well if you don't advertise and promote it and I don't know about that with It's a Wonderful Life, but I would guess that that's the case. Mm-hmm. But I know that the reason it became so popular and became a classic Christmas film is that the rights were sold so that they could just replay it constantly on TV. Mm-hmm. And then that meant that it was accessible to everyone. So people who couldn't afford to go to the movie theater um, back then, because it was, you know, there was a bigger, I think, class divide between yeah. who could afford the time to go because people worked longer hours and a um, larger population of. The U.S. was farmers. And yeah, you didn't necessarily have the time to go to movies. But once it was in people's living rooms, it was like, yes, like it became like universally beloved. It hit a chord with everyone. And I think it's a great um example of how, like, yeah, the studios didn't really know what was going to land for the vast majority of regular people.
1: Because, I mean, especially in the 50s, that is, yeah, it was a completely different landscape compared to what it is nowadays because films back then they were either far too long or they just kind of focused in the wrong places I have to say not all of them obviously but there was definitely a shift in the way that they made films back then as opposed Mm -hmm. to how they make them now like a lot of them are more streamlined or a lot more action oriented for a lot of them again not for all of them in a blanket statement but for the major blockbusters they're Mm-hmm. more snappy with the visuals than when they try and get people's attention. Yeah. You know, something, something TikTok generation, I'm sure someone's saying. <laughs> but yeah, compared to back then where films were a lot slower, they took their time, they didn't know how to clip fix their audio, which is something that I have noticed. And that goes <laughs> way up to like the 80s, especially when you watch Like I watched The Godfather, uh, the first two Recently, and the amount of times where you're watching it, and someone's mumbling, like, "Eh, I'm gonna make an offer, you can't refuse. (laughs) And then, yeah, two seconds later, they just scream into the microphone. Then, for the sake of the listeners' audio, obviously, I won't give an example, but they just scream (laughs) and it spikes so badly. Yeah, but I don't know, like, I have no idea in terms of the editing process back then, but they do not edit the radio
0: oh well i think it's i think the issue there is that is moving it to streaming because i think it was balanced when it was in theaters and then you know as we started moving into home releases more and that being like really a big thing that people were doing they had to figure Mm -hmm. out how to transfer the film to home releases and then especially for films that were released like before blu-rays existed and then are now being released on blu-rays or streaming like there's Mm -hmm. quite a process for them to go through to because they probably don't even have the original like sound files so i think that's mm-hmm. definitely a part of it
1: Yeah, that does make sense, actually. Yeah.
0: But yeah, I totally know what you mean about like going from like whispering to screaming. Or one of my least favorite things is like when the dialogue is quiet and then all of the music is super loud. And so you just have to like hold your finger on the volume button the whole time.
1: Yeah. My neighbors honestly must just be thinking, what the heck are you watching? (laughs) That is just mumble, mumble. And then you turn it up and then bam. Yeah. It's like, especially one of my friends uh, who comes over sometimes, he, loves absolutely loves these gangster films you know like uh, goodfellas the sopranos i know that's a tv series but similar premise yeah yeah <laughs> you know, godfather um the irishman yeah. and they're very much in that category of whisper whisper angry yelling <laughs> shooting loudly yeah. crashing cars loudly back to whispering then there's a kind of weird cooking scene in the middle of that and then it's back to whispering. Right. Just, yeah, uh, totally. Uh, I'm with you there. That's a big <laughs> pet peeve for me because I don't want to be holding the remote constantly, pushing it right. up, pushing it down, pushing it up, pushing it down. If yeah. I was, I'd be listening to like my raw footage <laughs> or <laughs> my episodes of things. I wouldn't be listening to that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We're going to our last background question before we get into the introduction to your feature film. Okay. Overall, how would you describe your relationship with movies?
1: Now, that is a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> Not that the other ones haven't been, sorry. That would been fantastic. <laughs> no, <you're fine. laughs> um, yeah, it's been a bit of a mix. Because when I was younger, I definitely didn't realize the importance of a lot of aspects. I feel as if I've grown with the way that I've understood films over the years. Like, for example, I was quite a big anime fan when I was younger. And by anime fan, I'm not talking about the what would have been obscure then, but more the mainstream stuff, you know, like your Pokemon, your like Dragon Ball Z, Yu-Gi-Oh, Beyblade, those kind of shows where they have a very particular formula. Mm-hmm. Like you have the hero's journey, the heroes encounter a problem, but you know the heroes are going to be safe in the end, they are going to be fine because that's what heroes do. Yeah. But then you see films that very much deconstruct or approach it in a different way. Like one of the examples that really got me back into anime from that world was Spirited Away from Studio Ghibli. I was like Studio Ghibli, 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 yeah. Potato, uh, tomato. It's up to you,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone, everyone says it differently, whatever works yeah. for you.
1: But yeah, from Studio Ghibli, they had it on like this, I think it was a Japanese appreciation appreciation uh, month where they were saying, oh, we're going to show like these films and everything and we're going to talk about Japanese culture. It was very fascinating at the time. But I remember seeing that film and then just being absolutely blown away with like the art style the vivid colours and everything, the characters, and even other films. You know, you watch some films like, for example, Star Wars and things for their, you know, the bombastic action, the pretty colours, the pretty lights and things. But then you get blindsided by, again, something like Dark Knight or... I mean, there's just, there's so many films like It's a Wonderful Life as well. You go in thinking, oh, great, this is going to be like quite a standard film. And then all of a sudden you get blindsided. So I would say it's probably a dynamic relationship, which was a lot of words to come to that conclusion. Sorry.
2: (laughs) you're good.
1: It's definitely, it's an evolving one, I would Mm. say. It's an evolving relationship because... It's weird to think that I just thought of films when I was younger as maybe more of a pastime, maybe something that, you know, you switch on, you turn off, you have this very standard plot and everything, and then you see other films that you just think, wow, this has absolutely changed my perspective on how I view films. Like, for example, The Lord of the Rings films, is they are one of my favourite trilogies of all time I think they are beautiful they are masterfully done whether you like fantasy whether you hate fantasy you cannot deny that the dialogue the cinematography the effects everything just blends together into this perfect mix for the entire trilogy but you know if you compare it to its counterparts which I know is a whole other discussion to The Hobbit where it's very much more streamlined it's very CGI focused it's not really got a lot of heart Mm. in comparison to the Mm. old ones you know you can see the stark difference and when you look at films like this you can see that they're a labor of love you can see that people who worked in this film poured their heart and soul into these and it makes you appreciate the films more you don't just switch on films and think oh great it's this or that you think This is, and again, not for every film, there's some very much guilty pleasures. Like, for example, I love the film Starship Troopers. It is a goofy mess. Like, I love it, but I can't sit here and be like, oh, it's the greatest thing of all time. It's like Citizen Kane or something. No, 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 no. It is (laughs) terrible in some regards, but it's also great for that kind of goofiness. But when you look at films like that, when you look at It's a Wonderful Life, when... You know you could insert any of the magnitude of amazing films that have been created over the decades and even century you can see that it's definitely a medium that is an art form really and i know that's quite a basic way to sum it up but yeah I, i would definitely say it's very dynamic my relationship with films it's definitely changed over the years and my perception of them has definitely changed the older i got or sorry, like the older I get and don't get me wrong I'm just over the threshold of my 30s (laughs) I'm not, you know I'm not an old man yet but it's definitely weird to think how I view films now compared to how I viewed them as a teenager Yeah, that makes
0: sense This is the space where the ads go
2: Welcome back to I'll Make a Statue You, the podcast where I, Phil, turn my friend Tom into the greatest stay to be a over 30 years old, I assume. <laughs> where I, Phil, get to sit in the same room as my friend Tom and talk about stray kids, a podcast where we go da-da-wada-da-da-da-wada-da. I'm Phil, and this is Tom. He goes, Hey, do you wanna fing cry for the next 20 minutes? <laughs> What's up? It's your boy, Phil, coming at you with another episode of The Survival Show, episode one, introducing Stray Kids to my friend Tom, who has no idea what Stray Kids are about and is probably going to like the wrong member and is going to make mistakes later on, but it's okay because he comes back around two years from now. The podcast where we change the intro every week, where we get to open a new album, where we get to open a new album, <laughs> where I, Phil, get to show new albums to Tom, where we get to listen to Five Star. Yo, what up, everybody? It's your boy, Phil. I'm here. We're talking about straight kids. We got the straight kids all over the place. We got the boom.
1: <laughs> I need to hydrate.
2: Was that a good intro? <laughs>
0: The monster blood changed direction, still bouncing and quivering and leaving white stains on the grass like enormous round footsteps. Joe, stop reading it. This is
2: too scary for me. You're right. It is too scary. If only we could talk about Goosebumps in a way that isn't
1: scary.
0: Well, guess what, nerds? There might be a podcast like that called Geesebumps.
1: Geesebumps? Did you mean Goosebumps?
0: Maybe. Geesebumps is a comedy podcast based on the works of R.L. Stein, hosted by me,
1: Danielle. PhD and me JoJo PhD
2: and me Jeff regular person
1: featuring Goofs funny voices and the occasional critical thought goosebumps available on Podbean and everywhere else podcasts can be found.
0: I love that Thank well, you. thanks for thanks for sharing your <laughs> thanks for sharing your relationship with movies and we're gonna learn more about it after i introduce our featured film so the featured film we are discussing today chosen by satsunami is a 1984 american science fiction action film directed by james cameron other genres you could classify this film under in my opinion include a sci-fi slasher or tech noir the movie stars linda hamilton michael bean and arnold schwarzenegger the screenplay is credited to james cameron and producer gail ann hurd while co-writer william wisher jr aka bill wisher received a writer's credit for additional dialogue although he worked extensively with cameron on the screenplay Cameron got the idea for this movie after he had a fever dream during the release of his first film, Piranha 2, The Spawning, in 1982, in Rome. Cameron said, The Terminator came from a dream that I had while I was sick with a fever in a cheap pension in Rome in 1981. It was the image of a chrome skeleton emerging from a fire. When I woke up, I began sketching on a hotel stationery. Using this imagery, Cameron said he wanted to create something that was inspired by John Carpenter's Halloween a slasher that came out in 1978. Cameron's agent at the time hated this idea and told him to work on something else. So Cameron fired him. Cameron then wrote the first draft for this movie while staying in the home of his friend, science fiction writer Randall Frakes. Cameron's influences for the movie included 1950s science fiction films, the 1960s fantasy television series The Outer Limits, the works of science fiction writer Harlan Ellison, who actually attempted to uh, slightly sue (laughs) the writers of the film, uh, alleging that it was stolen from one of his works. Uh, Other inspirations included contemporary films such as The Driver and Mad Max Too, Cameron worked on the screenplay together with his longtime friend, writer Bill Wisher, Cameron gave Wisher the scenes that involved Sarah Connor and the police department to write. Since Cameron and Wisher lived far apart from each other, they communicated their ideas for the movie over the phone by recording their conversations and then transcribing them. Then, once they had a draft ready to go, Cameron and Wisher sold the film's rights to producer Gail Ann Hurd for one dollar with the condition that the film would be produced only if Cameron was at the director's helm. When it came to casting the main bad guy of the film, many different actors were considered. Sylvester Stallone, Mel Gibson, and rock musician Sting all turned down the role. The studio suggested that O.J. Simpson could be in the role, but Cameron did not feel that Simpson would be believable as a killer, a statement that would become tragically ironic about 10 years later. For the main good guy of the film, the Orion Pictures distribution company wanted Schwarzenegger to be the main good guy. But after both Cameron and the film's good guy lead, Michael Bean met and interacted with Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger was settled on as the main bad guy instead. Schwarzenegger's character has 17 lines in the film. At the time, Schwarzenegger was also simultaneously filming Conan the Destroyer. Uh, One day, he was still wearing his shoes from our feature film today when an interviewer asked Schwarzenegger about the project he was working on. And Schwarzenegger responded, oh, some shit movie I'm doing should just take a couple weeks. (laughs) But then after he saw a few clips of the film in progress, he realized that this movie could actually be bigger than we all expect. The film we're talking about today is infamous for its amazing special effects, which included miniatures and stop-motion animation, which were created by a team of artists led by Stan Winston and Gene Warren Jr. Orion Pictures predicted a negative critical reception for this movie and believed it would be a box office flop. The actors' agents had to insist to the producers that the film should be screened for critics. Orion Pictures held only one press screening for the film but despite Orion's negativity, the film grossed $4 million in its opening week, making it number one in the box office for two weeks. This movie had a budget of 6.4 million and made 78.3 million at the box office and is one of the handful of films on Rotten Tomatoes that maintains a 100% positive critical rating. The movie that we are talking about today is... The Terminator.
1: Sorry, I had to do it. (laughs)
0: That was perfect. (laughs) Love it. Yeah, I was so delighted to get to watch this again. I hadn't seen it since I was a kid. But before we get into chatting about it, Tatsunami, please tell me in your own words two or three sentences about the most important things that happen over the course of the movie and what you think are the overarching themes of this movie.
1: So, The Terminator is a film about. I suppose destiny, and trying to contradict a self-determined future to try and forge our own futures in the face of struggle and adversity. um, Minus the robots, I'm gonna say. I mean, (laughs) unless you work in a robot factory or a Tesla factory, that's different. (laughs) But you know, yeah, if you're not fighting robots, you know, it's adversities, of course, in life and. Yeah, it's just a fantastic film. (laughs) I had to sum it up. It's near perfect, this film. This film is a near perfect masterpiece of science fiction, of filmmaking, of mm, maybe special effects. (laughs) It's a wee bit wonky (laughs) going back to it, but... That is literally the only thing I can mark it down for. Everything about this film is just a fantastic tour de force of everything right with filmmaking.
0: Yeah, no. I'm honestly the opposite about the the special effects. I think they're all fantastic. I mean, I love practical effects because I, I I really don't need things to look realistic for me to think that they're yeah. like good or effective. With I think the exception of when he's looking in the mirror, I don't really understand why they use like a whole fake head. Like I don't understand why they didn't just put some robot stuff on his face.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if it's just like they maybe did it and thought, oh no, this looks quite bad.
0: i guess so but i still think anything they did would have looked better than the fake head
1: (laughs) yeah that is literally the only thing that i would mark it down and i mean this is me nitpicking this is me struggling to nitpick anything that is probably the only bit that doesn't hold up as well compared to the rest of the effects but yeah one of the other ones that people do pick apart is the stop motion for the terminator skeleton Mm. and i completely disagree with that and one of my other friends will I'll obviously get on it later in the discussion, but one of my other friends stay uh told me how he found that kind of creepier than the Terminator and even in T2 it just looks so unnatural yeah you know if you've seen stop motion other than obviously Wallace and Gromit that's that's a whole different kettle of (laughs) fish. but you know if you see stop motion usually it's quite uncanny it's quite creepy because the motions you know something's moving but because of the frames in between it's not a seamless natural progression yeah and you can see that with the terminator where he like rises from the fire you yeah. dragging these body and like really you know contorting it
2: yeah but uh, it looks cool
1: reason- exactly it looks amazing <laughs> and when people criticize that every time i'm like i'm gonna stop you right there yeah <laughs> i'm just gonna yeah. stop you right there just yeah.
0: just shut up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just go say that into a bottle yeah. i don't need to hear it <laughs> Yeah, no and I love that you touched on an overarching theme being like destiny and you know coming into your to your your destiny type of thing cuz I really love that a movie that's essentially a sci-fi slasher like mm-hmm. a lot of violence, a lot of robots and futuristic stuff, a lot of people expected this to just be like some shitty B movie including yeah. Schwarzenegger, but no, like it really is a movie about like destiny and um rising to the occasion to be the hero of of a story even if it's not the story that you wanted or thought you were going to be a part of
1: because i mean even with the exception of the second film this is probably the most terrifying film of the entire series oh yeah i would say just because of how obviously except for the robots but like how grounded it is Mm -hmm. and it's horror like it's quite Realistic horror, if that makes sense. You know, because they could have easily had, like, I think one of the things that James Cameron initially wanted to do with this film was have the original Terminator and the T1000, which is the Terminator from the second film. But because of effects or budget, something got in the way and they thought, nah, we're not going to do that. So they left it for the second film, which I have to say great move <laughs> because yeah. i feel as if that would just severely undermine the film
0: i agree yeah. if they
1: had more than one but it's just the fact that the terminator is just such a cold killing machine It just basically kicks down people's doors when unfortunately he's killing all the not sarah connor sarah connors yeah and especially with how realistic the especially on the hamilton she does a fantastic job but how down-to-earth Sarah Connor actually is. Because, I mean, we had that whole discussion about retail and, you know, the service industry. Sarah Connor is, and I don't mean this in a derogatory term, but she is just like a waitress in this world. She's someone who doesn't seem to be someone who presents as being very particularly special, having aspiring dreams to, you know, conquer the world or anything. She's just going about her day-to-day job she's just earning you know paycheck to paycheck which is something that you know we can all relate to to some degree but yeah then she's thrust into this world of destiny and that she's gonna bear the son over the future resistance and she becomes such an integral part of this universe that she is definitely solidified as one of the protagonists not just in this film but throughout the entire series. And it is amazing, of course, in later films we see her shift and everything, but in this particular film we see this woman who goes from absolutely terrified, out of her depth, saddled with this, Time traveler, you know, and I would be skeptical too if Michael Bean, you know, yeah at me in a trench coat and said, <laughs> "Yeah, come with me if you want to live." <laughs> you know, yeah. I'd be like, "Wait, what?" But yeah, the the fact is, it's just it's all seamlessly blended together, and it all works. It's like a Lego film; everything it clicks together. Yeah, and it just it works. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, absolutely masterfully mm-hmm. crafted together. Tell me about the first time that you watched the movie, where, with who, and tell me about your response uh, then versus on your most recent rewatch.
1: So this is a very special film to me because it was actually the very first time I met one of my friends slash co host of Chatsunami, Adam. Oh, nice. So... This is actually the origin story of how we met. Earlier I was talking about It's a Wonderful Life, how I went to see that, the GFT. And one day in June 2015, this is... <laughs> you know how in Terminator they always have the date and they're like, that's yeah. the day and the machine rolls and everything. <laughs> yeah. June 2015, that is when I had this like solidified canon event in my life where... I got invited to the JFT with my friend and he was like, oh, do you want to come? There's going to be people from, I think it was from his university. He was like, oh, do you want to come? We're going to go. We're going to watch this film. It's going to be great. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'm down for it. And I could have easily said no. I could have been like, nah, I'm washing my hair that day. (laughs) I'm taking the (laughs) dog out. But I was like, nah, okay, I'll come along. So came along and That was the day I, of course, met Adam, who is a fantastic person, amazing friend, and he is actually a Terminator fanatic himself. Nice. So this was the first time, like, I'd seen bits and pieces of Terminator on the TV. I'd seen bits of Terminator 2, but I never, like, sat down and fully watched it from start to finish. So it was a double feature of Terminator 1 and Terminator 2.
2: Oh, wow. And then...
1: After we watched it, you know, it was absolutely fantastic. It was full of Terminator fans. It was just, it was so such a great environment, great atmosphere. And then after that, I was like, right, you know, this is where we kind of go our separate ways and things. I was like, oh, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. He went his way, I went my way. I thought nothing of it. I thought, oh, this is just a nice person. But then after that, of course, we started hanging out a lot more. I would go over to his... Um, he would come to mine, we would just start chatting and yeah, we ended up running a podcast together (laughs) we've been best friends ever since because of that and it was just like, yeah, because of this film and it's quite ironic because you know how Terminator is about like you know, your fate is what you make it kind of thing Yeah. if I didn't go to that screening, I might not have met Adam and then I wouldn't have had Chatsunami in the state that it is nowadays. Like, I wouldn't have done a lot of things. I wouldn't have experienced a lot of movies and films and things like that. Yeah. And the last time I think I watched this was when Adam and I, as I said, he's a massive Terminator fan, and we were coming up with ideas for our theme to month. So, the very first theme month we did was Halo, which is another franchise that we're really invested in. And then I was like, do you want to do a Terminator month? And he was like, yeah, that would be great. So I rewatched it for, like, I rewatched all the films. And of course, you know, it's a steady slope going down when you're watching them, but <laughs> like, in terms of quality. But it was still fantastic. You know, it was still amazing. And it's just so weird to think that, if it wasn't for that film, I wouldn't have had that experience in my life. And yeah, again, like, don't get me wrong, I have so many amazing friends that have helped me get to where I am today. And I couldn't have done like a lot of things either with the podcast or with my self-confidence without them. And Adam is certainly one of those friends that has always encouraged me, helped me, and absolutely been a brilliant person in life. So... The fact was that this film, you you mentioned that when you were talking about Terminator being considered, oh, it's just a silly sci-fi film, nobody's going to watch it. But the fact is, because of this silly sci-fi film, that is how I met one of my best friends of my life. And yeah, this is why it's just so important to me, this film, this one random film about a time-travelling robot is somehow really affected me in such a positive way
0: yeah that's amazing i love that movies can do that and huge shout out to adam
1: yeah i don't know if you're listening to us <laughs> thumbs up <yeah>. very touching
0: <laughs> very touching dedication to adam I, I yeah i just love that movies can be that for people not only like this movie was like the call to action for your friendship like for the destiny of your friendship but then, even more than that, it it wasn't just like a jumping-off point. It was, I guess, maybe a backbone because Adam is such a big fan of it, and then you could both mm-hmm. continue your fandom of this film, and then from there, explore in what ways your fandom or your fanness, I guess, of other mm-hmm. other works of art and you know, video games and stuff like that are similar with each other, and build a friendship from there. And I think that's really awesome that. Movies in general can do that for you. And I don't think it super matters always what movie it is. And like like you're saying, like, mm-hmm. oh, it's a you know, it's just a sci-fi movie. It's funny that it could bring two best friends together. But I think that makes total sense. And I think that's mm-hmm. part of the beauty of movies.
1: No, I totally agree with that. I mean, there's just been so many films that I have watched with other people that I just have, like, such a fond memory whenever I think of that film. Yeah. I think of, you know, my time with whoever I was watching it with. Like, for example, um, when I was in university with, again, another one of my co-hosts, I'm going to sound very cheesy, I apologise <laughs> to <but laughs> no, my co um Andrew, he, him and I went to university, that's how we met, and we watched a ungodly amount of anime (laughs) both um, shows and especially films you know we watched a lot of Studio Ghibli we watched uh, Madhouse things like that and very emotional films and whenever I look at those particular series and things I think back to you know that time in my life where I was just a student and I was you know living with him and things and you know, I mean that's amazing, and maybe to not a lesser degree. Like I don't want to downplay this, but one of my other co-hosts, Craigie C, shout out to him as well. He'll be listening to this probably, <laughs> but I, I'm gonna be like sharing this episode. i <laughs> feel like, listen, you get a shout, you get a shout. out. Yeah, he yeah. did a honestly, it was amazing. He did a bad movie night where he would just pick a random bad movie. Nice on IMDb or ones that people had suggested. Some were better than others, like we watched a really fun one, Space Trucker Bruce, um, (laughs) which was more like a student fan film, it was was fantastic, so endearing, Um, Samurai Cop as well, Street Fighter even, there was a lot of ones that were so bad they were good, but then there was other ones like Turkish Star Wars, which (laughs) unless you hate a person, I would not recommend (laughs) watching it, it is... One of those films that's just so bad, so boring. It goes on for far too long, and it's just it's not worth the price of admission. And I watched it for free, so <laughs> <laughs> take that, take that what you will. But yeah. the fact is, whenever I see these films as well, like these kind of cult classics or things like that, yeah, I've got like a memory of when we watched it together. Like especially, uh, funny enough, because I did say that about the Pokemon film about how. I do remember going to see it in the cinema, getting the Pokemon card, but I also remember doing a double billing at his house. It was just me and him. We watched the Pokemon film, and then we watched the Digimon film.
0: Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> and we watched it back to back to see what one's the better one, this, this, and that. They were They're both so bad, different. but yeah, but there were childhood classics, and yeah yeah when you get films like that you just have such a memory of who as you said you're completely right who you watched it with and it could be anything really it could be anything but the point is like how you enjoy that film yeah and how it brings you together so yeah i completely agree with you
0: absolutely So our final question, you've already touched on it a bit. And how did this movie change or impact or affect your life? Because it brought you together with one of your best friends who, and then you, you know, ended up starting a podcast with him. And so that's clearly like a big impact. But is there anything else that you would say that this movie has impacted or changed your life?
1: I guess the way I perceive how science fiction films can be made. Mm. Like, it's a weird thing to say, but I am... Quite a late bloomer when it comes to enjoying certain franchises. Mm. My friends will probably tell you as well that they'll recommend something. I'll say, Yeah, 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 I'll watch it. I'll watch it. No problem. I'll watch (laughs) it. I'll put it on the backlog. Spoilers, I never do. Or when I do, it's like really late, or they have to physically force me to watch it. Like Mm -hmm. when I was at university with my good friend Andrew he actually bought me, he said, have you ever watched the Shawshank Redemption? I said, nope, never seen it. And he's like, what? It's a great film, blah, blah, blah. You should go see it. I'm like, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. So for my birthday, <laughs> he got me a DVD oh. of the Shawshank Redemption, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, spoilers, it was a great film. Like, fantastic, worth watching. But yeah, that's the kind of person I am,
2: mm.
1: <laughs> I have to say. But I have gotten into like a lot of series late obviously because a lot of the sci-fi series that I get into I probably wasn't born at the time you know like Star Wars for example obviously I wasn't born when Star Wars came out or Terminator like one and two I knew of them I knew of their impacts but I never really watched them at the time and I'm also I would say now I'm a big Trekkie. I never used to be. I was all about the Star Wars life. But then I got into, you know, the weird and wonderful world of Star Trek and everything. And it's one of those series, much like Terminator, much like Star Wars, much like any long-running run, long series in sci-fi, you get a lot of these series that they'll go on for absolutely ages. They'll go on for years, decades, and they just lose kind of a part of themselves because they have to change with current audiences.
2: Mm -hmm. Like,
1: for example, one of my favourite series in Star Trek is Deep Space Nine, but it's more of like a war drama. Mm -hmm. You know, it's talking about the moral implications of what is right to do and can this society kind of flourish and survive to its core values and morals if they go down this path where they have to fight an even more immoral and brutal enemy. You know, it's like, it's fascinating stuff. Yeah. But it's a completely different show compared to how it started with... uh, I mean, we've all seen the screenshots and the clips of it where it's like the very you know people painted up (laughs) in the alien like makeup the miniskurs the you know over the top 60s kind of decor and the reason i bring that up in particular is terminator itself has changed over the years and it makes me see how sci-fi is and this is gonna sound like a weird thing i apologize in advance but it's and again, I don't mean this as a pun either because it's a time travel film, but <laughs> sci-fi films are a time capsule of the time that they came out. Yeah, like I, I feel as if people don't really understand that when they say, oh, the new Terminators are nothing like the old ones. And granted, if you look at it objectively, you can say, oh yeah, the later Terminators are far worse because the writing's bad. But... If you look at, if you take a step back and you think, right, what films were coming out at the time? Nine times out of ten, it's all very much bombastic, action-oriented films that studios probably want their, you know, baby Terminator (laughs) franchise to compete against. Yeah, And they're not going to compete against that because that's not what that franchise is. But it's coming out at a time where... That's a very popularized way to either make a film or to like structure it and everything. It, it's just as fascinating. So it's interesting to see that that's why it's changed and how Terminator seemed to have come out at just the perfect moment in history. You know, it came out in the eighties. It came out and as you said, that take noir phase where you know I mean you had Terminator you had later on like Total Recall when you had all these other sci-fi films that would come after it maybe try to live up to it but it feels like lightning in a bottle essentially it feels like it hit the ground running and it's the perfect encapsulation of what was popular at that time has all the tropes and all the best ways things that demonstrate what made it such a good film and you could easily argue that it's been diluted but it also is a good example for other sci-fi series like as i said star trek started as this very optimistic view of the future and then it got diluted into kind of a more action oriented show you know like nowadays although i still absolutely love it it's still more kind of action compared to what it used to be, same with Star Wars, they tried to make it more kind of talky and political when people were like, we want the laser swords." Yeah. And they're like, okay, like with the prequels, and they're like, okay, fine, we'll give them back the laser sword. And then, you know, they tried to make it more action oriented. But no, it's, it's just, it's changed the way I've kind of stepped back and perceived sci-fi films as a whole and i apologize for that utter ramble but i hope that answers the question sorry
0: (laughs) yeah no i i completely agree and and i love that yeah i love that and yeah this has been fantastic chatting with you and fantastic chatting or learning more about your movie experience and history and feelings and also about terminator specifically and how important it is to you yeah super fun i was so excited to to get to rewatch this again so thank you for suggesting it and thank you so much for being on the show
1: oh no problem no it was an absolute pleasure being on so thank you for inviting me first of all and yeah yeah, no thank you so much (laughs) great chatting
0: great chatting with you again because i just chatted with you i don't know was that last month or so on Um, on your show on chatsunami yeah
1: Yeah, must have been and that was a great conversation we talked about all things podcasting films key dramas as well of course <laughs> yeah <laughs> no it was, it was a fantastic discussion as well
0: yeah but, super fun yeah. everybody listen to Chatsunami you don't have to listen to my episode but you can just listen to any episodes of Chatsunami I
1: mean I mean it is recommended as a great episode to jump into so <laughs> uh, if you're jumping in blind please jump into that one <laughs> <laughs>
0: thank you <laughs> Well, other than chatsunami, is there any anything else, any other projects that you would like to plug and direct people to? Yeah.
1: Well, if anybody would like to check out either that episode we were talking about or any other handy dandy interviews or yeah, any episodes that we do, you can check us out on all good podcast apps like Spotify, Good Pods, iTunes. Um you can also check us out on our website uh, podpage.com forward slash chatsunami. And yeah, we'll definitely see you there. Um, just look for the red panda. Um, mm-hmm. You can't miss it. He's standing behind the microphone. If you see the microphone, you see a red panda behind it, you, you've come to the right place. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. Tsunami yeah. podcast is one of the cutest mascots ever. Oh, thank you. Red panda. <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah i always love that i have to admit when i come on the podcast and people are like why do you have the red panda and i'm like well let me tell you <laughs>
0: <laughs> because i am one yeah. surprise <laughs> yeah. have
1: i actually ever told you the reason behind it uh
0: no you i don't know? think you
1: have well it's quite a sappy reason so i, I apologize in advance but <laughs> okay. um i remember when i first started going out with my girlfriend um we went to edinburgh zoo for a date on valentine's day and we ended up seeing of course these two absolutely adorable red pandas Aww. and don't get me wrong i absolutely fell in love with them i was like oh they are the cutest things ever
2: are yeah. just jumping
1: around. and i knew about red pandas but that was kind of the moment i was like oh they're cute so when we were coming out and um, we bought each other these plushy toys like i bought her a koala bear and she brought me a red panda oh i mean don't get me wrong i love red pandas to begin with but the fact was it was kind of a very nice memory it was a special memory yeah. So when I was getting into streaming and then eventually podcasting, I wanted, like, I think a very happy representation, something that, you know, would make people happy looking at it. Because yeah. I think when I started, it was just like a default picture, and I'm like, yeah, that's, <laughs> not, that's not great for branding, is <laughs> it? Yeah. But, yeah, it eventually evolved into what is now, yeah, the Chatsunami Red Panda because of that day. So nice. yeah, I told you I was sappy. I yeah, no, sappy. it's
0: very sweet. I love that what a great story well it's been super fun chatting with you thanks again for being on
1: oh thank you so much again for inviting me and it's been an absolute blast
0: yeah and remember everybody bring your own popcorn, (laughs) popcorn, popcorn, popcorn